Greetings, and welcome to A Voice for the Voiceless, a podcast about endangered species. I'm your host, Jenny Sisler, coming to you from Sunderland, Massachusetts on Monday, April 17th, 2023 at 4.37 p.m. Yes, you heard that right. It's before five o'clock and I'm actually getting the podcast recorded extremely early for me. Um, The reason is that I had a day off from work due to one of those lovely, obscure New England holidays called Patriot's Day. I live in Massachusetts and we seem to love to celebrate kicking the British out. Uh, We have Bunker Hill Day, we have Evacuation Day, which is the day when the British actually fled Boston. And Patriot's Day is always the third Monday of April coinciding with the marathon and I really think at this point it's just an excuse to give people a day off because they know the entire city of Boston shuts down for the marathon. There's always a Red Sox game uh, after the marathon and people aren't going to be getting anywhere near the city anyway to go to work. (coughs) Excuse me. So why not just have a day off? (coughs) Oh, good grief. Excuse me. So what makes today special is that it being April 17th, it is the 105th birth anniversary of William Holden. And of course, you've heard me speak before about his influence in my life, uh, about Stephanie Powers, uh, about the William Holden Wildlife Foundation. Um, So I decided to celebrate his birthday today by working on a cross stitch uh, that's African themed and watching his movies. I watched uh, Golden Boy this morning, which was the very first movie he ever made back in 1939 when he was 21 years old. And then I watched the movie Breezy, which is only one of two Clint Eastwood movies that he directed but did not act in. And um, I was getting ready to watch Counterfeit Trader, but I decided I would get the podcast recorded first. And then my husband and I are going to watch Network, which is my all-time favorite William Holden movie tonight. And of course, his influence in my life is the whole reason I'm doing this podcast. Uh, So I bet at this point you're wondering, okay, what's the subject for tonight's episode? Well, tonight we're going to discuss a creature that is near and dear to my heart, just because I find it absolutely fascinating, and that would be the great hammerhead. There are four different species of hammerheads, and I don't, I guess it's just because they're different, and I tend to like things that are unique and different, but the hammerhead shark has always been my favorite shark. And in fact, the last time Bill and I were in Hilton Head, which was the summer of 2020, 2021, um, there was an influx of stingrays. And I was kind of surprised because I didn't think about stingrays being in South Carolina, but it's the water, the the temperate water draws stingrays. And these were not very big stingrays, but if you'd stepped on them, it could have ruined your vacation. So uh, later on in the week, there were shark sightings and it was hammerheads. And the hammerheads were eating the stingrays. That's one of their primary food sources. And people were all getting freaked out. And I was like, no, don't worry about it. The hammerheads aren't here to get you. They're eating the stingrays. You'll be fine. And think about it this way. The more stingrays that get eaten, 
the less likely you are to step on one and end up in the ER and have it be the vacation from hell. So, you know, I have, uh, I have heard of uh, Stingray, I mean, uh, Hammerhead sightings in the wild. And, you know, I mean, there was a huge number of Stingrays, so naturally they're going to go where the food is, right? They weren't hurting any humans. They weren't bothering us. I was actually kind of glad they were out there because after I found out the Stingrays had come in, I was a little bit nervous about, I like to swim in the ocean, it doesn't bother me, but, you know, of course, stingrays, they kind of burrow under the sand, so you can't see them, and I was a little freaked out about, okay, am I going to be stepping on a stingray, so I was grateful when the shark showed up. So, the hammerhead, the, the great hammerhead is one of four species of hammerheads, which include the scalloped and the smooth hammerhead and the winghead. Uh, the great hammerhead and the scalloped hammerhead are both endangered. Um, they live in temperate waters worldwide. And the shape of their head, it helps them hunt. Because first of all, it helps them detect scent. And it also helps them, with the positioning of their eyes, see prey that's above them and below them at the same time. So because they have this distinct advantage, this distinct hunting advantage, they're an apex predator. There's nothing else that preys on a hammerhead shark. Um, the females give live birth and there's about a 10 to 11 month gestation period and their litter size can literally be anywhere between 6 and 42 pups. And each pup is about 20 to 28 inches long. So uh, you can see that there's a reason why they only breed every two years because you could not sustain that level of giving birth every single year as a female. Um, and the pups are usually born in late spring, early summer. Um, the uh, great hammerhead can unfortunately show uh, lack of genetic variation. There is not very much genetic diversity within the populations of great hammerheads. Um, and they can show signs of inbreeding, which of course makes it difficult to preserve the species, as we've talked about with so many other uh, species. Um, so what are the threats? How can there be threats to an apex predator? Well, it's us stupid humans. First of all, they are poached for, um, for their fins because uh, shark fin soup is still very much a thing. Um, it used to be that poachers would catch them in nets, haul them up on board, cut the fins off, and then just leave the carcass to rot on the deck of the ship. But now, I, w I don't know that it's even worse, but to me it seems like it. They haul in the hammerheads, hack their fins off, and then put them back in the water, assuming that they can live without their fins, which they can't. So you're consigning a great hammerhead to death one way or the other. I just think it, it just kind of strikes me as, I can't decide if it's less humane to toss them overboard and expect them to be able to survive or to just leave them on the deck of the boat and let them die that way. I can't decide. They're both equally horrific. Um, another reason that they're threatened is because sadly uh, they are victims of bycatch. You know, we used to talk about bycatch when it came to tuna fishing because dolphins would get caught in the nets. 
Um, the same thing happens to hammerheads, and sadly, the shape of their head makes it very easy for them to be caught in a net, um, so they are victims of bycatch. And another very sad and unnecessary thing is shark culling. Um, there's a lot of times in certain parts of the world where uh, there's prominent shark attacks in the news. And so then society thinks, well, we have to go kill the sharks to keep them from attacking humans. Well, there has never been a fatality from a great hammerhead attack. Um, shark control in Australia has led to the deaths of 592 sharks in six years from 2012 to 2018. And no hammerhead has ever been implicated in, the, in a fatal shark attack. But sadly, I call it the Jaws effect. You know, you watch the movie Jaws and, and the, the shark is attacking random people on purpose. And I mean, especially the stupid, oh, which one is it? It's either Jaws 3 or Jaws 4 where the shark follows Mrs. Brody to the Bahamas and targets her and her family. I mean, total BS. Sharks do not attack because they're cruel creatures. They just don't know us from a stingray or a, a seal or, you know, a, some other kind of creature that they eat. It's not like a shark attacks a human out of spite or malice. But sadly, uh, we tend to believe that. So when there are shark attacks, uh, shark culling happens and then innocent sharks who have nothing against humans get killed. And I really can't stand the Jaws. I know that Peter Benchley, when he wrote Jaws, did not mean for it to have the negative impact on the shark community that it did, but people just became convinced that sharks attack people out of some sense of, you know, like they're attacking us on purpose. You know, sharks, sharks roll their eyes back in their head when they attack a food source. They don't know what they're doing. They just go into a feeding frenzy and they think it's food. They don't know that they're not supposed to eat humans. But sadly, uh, great hammerheads do suffer from shark culling. Um, they are protected under Appendix 2 of the CITES Treaty, but that does not mean that it is 100% illegal to trade in shark meat or shark skin or even the fins. Um, they can be traded internationally. Uh, the thing is, exporters of uh, great hammerhead shark meat are required to have a permit that shows that the parts were ethically and sustainably sourced. But it's very, very hard to regulate the trade due to the high monetary value of the fins. And there is an extreme lack of monitoring of bycatch. And of course, there's always illegal fishing. There's always going to be the jerks out there who want to catch a hammerhead, a great hammerhead, because they can, and because they know it's illegal and it's the thrill of doing it and not getting caught. Um, and you would think that given today's focus on the environment worldwide, that people would be willing to come to the great hammerhead's defense, but actually they're not. And the reason is that defending and protecting the great hammerhead directly con conflicts with fishermen. Um, in fact, in 2015, Australia um, 
submitted an exclusion request to the Convention of Migratory Species, asking them not to list the great hammerhead as endangered because it creates a huge financial burden for fishermen who accidentally catch them. Um, if, they're, if they accidentally catch them and they're fined, well, that can put a fisherman out of business. So, despite the fact that we all know these creatures are endangered, it, there's been practically zero conservation efforts to help protect them. Um, there has been a little bit of work done. The World Wildlife Fund out of Hong Kong has worked to reduce the demand for shark fin soup. And there has been a 70% drop in imports of shark fins in general, great hammerhead fins in specific, over the past decade in Hong Kong, which is good news. Um, and the Center for Biological Diversity has worked to shut down the most destructive fisheries who are very irresponsible with their bycatch and their fishing nets. Um, but until we can get past putting more concern over disenfranchising fishermen um, until we can move past not wanting to disenfranchise fishermen and work towards finding a balance between the fishing industry and protecting great hammerheads. Sadly, there's not much that is going to protect them. Um, it strikes me as very sad. I don't believe we should put fishermen out of business to protect sharks. I have never felt like we should put endangered species 100% above humans um, or that we should put environmental protection in general above humans, but what we need to do is we need to find a balance. We need to find a way so that fishermen can still work their craft and yet have respect for the ocean and the creatures that dwell in it. Um, I would assume that there could be ways to create fishing nets that might make bycatch a little less of an issue, or maybe you study the times and the migratory patterns of the Great Hammerhead, and you don't allow people to fish in certain parts of the ocean in certain times of the year. Um, you know, there, there have to be happy mediums. I do not believe in an either-or scenario. I believe that the truth always lies somewhere in the middle, and I believe that's true for conservation efforts. And hopefully, um, just by talking about it and telling you about the great hammerheads, and then maybe you tell other people about them, and we work together to find organizations that are trying to protect sharks, and maybe we donate to them, or, you know, things like that if we get involved even at the smallest level perhaps we can make a difference and that's why I do this podcast um, I have not ever in the entire previous 24 episodes come away from my research feeling as helpless as I do because with all the other animals that I've discussed and plants and you know, there's always been conservation efforts being made, but this time with this episode, I feel very frustrated because there's just not much being done to protect these creatures. And as apex predators, they keep the uh, the ocean clean. They uh, 
prevent, you know, pollution in the ocean from uh, dead animals. Um, and they're an integral part of the ocean ecosystem, just like any other creature. So I feel very uh, frustrated to have to tell you that there's not being a lot done to protect these creatures, but maybe people like you and I, if we spread the word and we find the organizations to support, maybe we can help make a difference. And that's the important thing. And that's why I come here and I feel like sometimes I ramble on. Uh, I hope that you don't think so. But that's why I come here and I share what I've learned with all of you. So I'm going to call it a day here with uh, this episode. And until next time, I just want to remind you that you too can be a voice for the voiceless. Thanks for listening.